Put that coffee down. Welcome back to the Renaissance, episode 83, uh, Ray. Um, For the benefit of Tommy G, how's your personal life going? Um, What's happened in the last, (laughs) since we spoke about your personal life an hour ago, Give right. me an update. What's what's happened? Um, not much. I, I decided to take this week off from from everything. It's just been me and Finn taking walks, bonding uh, as you do. Looking forward to spring. That's pretty much it. What about you for the last week? What do you like? You do so little as it is. What does mm-hmm. taking a week off <clears throat> really look like for you? Because um, I, honestly, I, I can't even begin to envision I wear what different pants. Same thing, pretty much right. what I do, but different. Um, right. I see. I didn't think you wore pants at all. I thought <laughs> during the summer, taking like the week off right. would mean like even oh, you know, pantsless, putting pants on maybe. The pantsless season is coming, my friend. It is. Right. It is coming. Still a little chilly for that. Right. Oh, right. But I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to yeah. know. Um, yeah. Well, nothing. Nothing new with me, uh, Ray. Thank did you, you for some, asking. Did you get some more? No, well, not since I spoke. No, no, not 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 that anyone else was involved in anyway. Just a just a quick one, quick rub, quick one out in between recording episodes. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, back to uh, the Crusades. Well, mostly no, not the Crusades. Back to the um, Inquisition storyline. Last time we talked about. The beginning of the mass on mass violence uh, against heretics in the uh, early third, late twelfth, early thirteenth century against the Cathars uh, of southern France. Where I want to pick up now, we're going to move to Spain with that in our minds and talk about the situation in Spain uh, in the fifteenth century. Now, by the fifteenth century. Christians, Muslims, and Jews had lived side by side in Spain. For centuries, yeah, the Muslims controlled a large region of what is now modern Spain, or the Iberian Peninsula, even Spain and Portugal. As did the Christians. So the the, the Muslim conquest goes back to sort of the seven hundreds, from seven eleven to seven eighty eight, the Umayyad conquest of Hispania, right, where they sort of destroyed the Visigothic kingdom. Mm. And established the Emirate of Cordoba under Abdul Rahman the first, so called because he invented ramen. Sure, Many, most people don't know that. Yeah. Um, more salt. He's from right. He was from Damascus originally, ruled seven fifty six to seven eighty eight, and completed the unification of the Muslim ruled areas in the Iberian Peninsula, which was known as Al Andalus. Nice. Uh, we, we're familiar with Andalusian. Horses, mm-hmm. uh, thoroughbreds. Well, they're Spanish, uh, El Andalus. You can tell uh, by their from, accent. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and the way they walk around <laughs> holding roses between their teeth. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Yeah, that, uh, yeah they're, uh, they're Spanish. Um, and they, they controlled, the caliphate uh, controlled nearly all of the Iberian Peninsula for centuries. Yeah. It was all Muslim, that whole area. Right. Uh, Until they sort of started to collapse during a civil war in the early 1000s, 1009 to 1013. They couldn't get along. Yeah. Uh, It was Muslim on Muslim violence, which is the second (laughs) sexiest kind of violence there is. Right. After Christian on Christian violence, yeah, um, and broke up into a lot of smaller entities, which were therefore easier for the Christians to reconquer. In 1013, 
Berbers invaded. Your Berbers, uh, the Muslims from North Africa, they came in and sacked Cordoba, massacred mm. the inhabitants, pillaged the city. Right. They basically went all Christian on them. You know, they were like... <laughs> Burned it to the ground. Right. Now, this is African Muslims invading Arab Muslims. Right. Keep that straight. Yeah. So, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we're all Muslims, but, uh, you know, we don't necessarily. Like today, we have the Shia and the Sunni don't right. like each other. Right. And you have the Wahhabist Sunni don't like the other Sunni right. <laughs> or the Shia. Uh, just like there's been plenty of Christian on Christian violence, there's been plenty of Muslim on Muslim violence, and it goes right back to the death of Muhammad. As we talked about on our Syria series on the Bullshit Field, we did the whole history of mm-hmm. Muslim on Muslim violence going right back to when Muhammad died in the sort of late 600s, early 700s, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, um, and I find it interesting that when the uh, the Muslims first came over and they kicked ass and they took pretty much the whole of the Iberian Peninsula, at first the um, the Berbers from North Africa were helping them. But as you were hinting at, there was differences between them. Maybe they didn't feel like they were compensated or whatever. So there is tension between the two. A lot of the Berbers end up leaving and eventually they end up going back over and sacking, taking on the Moors and leaving the Christians out of it. So, yeah, so the so the position in Spain is getting weaker because of the infighting. Yeah. Now, uh, the Berbers are also known as the Moors because they always wanted more, right. uh, more land, but more open. ramen. You know, they couldn't right. get enough of, of all of that kind of stuff, If any, in case anyone's wondering. Right. The Moors. Uh, who's the most famous Moor, do you think, right? When you think Moor, Moor. who do you think of? Um... Uh, Charlton Heston, El Cid. I, I don't know. El Cid. El Cid. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to him later. Okay. I, I, I think of Othello. Othello, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Completely blanked. The, uh, and I think particularly of uh, Orson Welles' portrayal of Othello in his yeah. own film. Doing blackface. Where he was in bl- doing blackface, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? He's a Moor. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you gotta got to be blackface. Um, yeah, you probably couldn't do that. Today, I don't know. I wonder if you could. We'd want to try. I mean, like, well, listen, motherfucker. I'm Orson Welles. I mean, yeah. you know, what am I going to do? I got to play. I got to play this role. Uh, I Just, can't do it. In, what's more insulting to do it in blackface or to do it as a white man right. playing a moor? I mean, I don't know. It yeah. seems to be more. Just insulting. green green screen me. I'll just do the role, and you make me look. However, I'm not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> end my career. Anyway. Uh, yes. So the Arab elite, the Arab Muslims kind of look down on the non-Arab Muslims sure. uh, as second class citizens, <coughs> excuse me, particularly scornful of the Berbers. Yeah, a little bit of racism, I think, in there too. You know, sort of your Arabs didn't like the, the your Africans, your Africans didn't like the Arabs. Right. Christians um, didn't like either one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, you know, just all round bad. Anyway, so when they had their civil war and they broke up into smaller political units, they started to get attacked by the surrounding Christian countries who wanted to take back the Iberian Peninsula. And, uh, you know, they, they did gradually. Uh, so yeah. the kingdoms of Navarre, Leon, Portugal, Castile, Aragon, and Barcelona, the county of Barcelona, gradually became re- reconquered by the Christians. It's known as the Reconquista, and uh, they, you know, there are less and less Muslim lands left. I think the last one was uh, Granada. I think is mm-hmm. the last one, which we'll talk about later on. Um, yeah. The oh, I would actually we'll talk about it now. The only from the mid 13th century to the late 15th century, the only remaining Muslim domain in the Iberian Peninsula was the Emirate of Granada, which was finally defeated by King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella in 1492. 
mm. which is a big year in a number of ways. Uh, I know your countrymen normally associate it with uh, the discovery mm-hmm. slash invasion of the uh, <laughs> Americas right. by uh, a particular racist. Um <laughs> But uh, a lot of other things happened in that year as well in in that region, which we'll talk about. But because they had lived side by side for centuries, Mm -hmm. like, uh, what are we talking about, Uh, six, seven hundred years? Yes. Muslim rulers that had Christian subjects, Christian rulers that had Muslim subjects, they both had Jewish subjects. And the thing is... They mostly got along most of the time. Yeah. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. And everybody kind of, it wasn't equality, but everybody kind of knew their place. There wasn't a lot of drama or tension or shit, and everybody got on with making money, and it worked for hundreds of years. Yeah. Now, uh, they even had some of the same heroes. Um, uh, uh, the guy you mentioned earlier, mm. El Cid, better known as, Rod- well, not better known, officially known as Rodrigo Diaz de Vivar. Right. From, lived from 1043 to 1099. He was a Castilian knight and warlord in medieval Spain. The Moors called him El Cid, um, which meant the Lord, probably from the Arabic El Sayyid. Uh. The Christians called him El Campeador, which means the champion. Nice. Um, but it's literally translated as the battlefield or the battlefield master in Old Castilian. And he was uh, basically a mercenary for hire, like a lot of the guys we've talked about uh, right. in the, 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 you know, the era of the Medicis, etc. He yeah. served, ran armies for both Christian rulers and Muslim rulers. He was a Muslim right. himself, but he didn't give a fuck. He would, he would work for anybody, take their money, take Christian money to kill Muslims, take Muslim money to kill Christians. It's all good. It's a job. Yeah. And I'm good what at is, it. Uh, yeah. What does uh, Omar say in The Wire? Money don't have no owners. <laughs> it just has spenders or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he transferred uh, his services from Christians to Muslims to the Muslim ruler of Saragossa. Yeah, if your check clears, motherfucker, I will fight for you. Whatever. Yeah. And he was admired by both Muslims and yeah. Christians and, as you said, portrayed by Charlton Heston in 1961. Yeah. Now, if you were a minority in these countries, you were obviously worse off. As you said, it wasn't equality. Right. Um, you know, you paid higher taxes. You had less rights about where and when you could worship, the sort of jobs you could have, the sort of property you could own, all the usual yeah. stuff that we've talked about. In our Cold War series, the Jews were subject to, uh, you know, for nearly their entire uh, ever since they got kicked out of Jerusalem yes. by the Romans yes. and they moved to Europe, um, that's how they were uh, treated, oppressed, repressed, whatever you want to call it, for thousands of years. Uh, but it was the same. So if you're part of a Christian minority in a Muslim land, you had, you, you know, you, you had certain things against you and vice versa. And there were pogroms from time to time. Mm. But there was a high degree of tolerance for different religions, at least by the standards of the Middle Ages. The point going is, the point I'm making is, you know, you weren't being burned alive uh, and stabbed right? And because you had a different religion. They were like, we don't give a fuck. I mean, you know, right. what you believe. Just stay there, believe what you believe, yeah. don't cause trouble, exactly. keep the economy running. A bit like the Roman attitude towards yes. religion. Except you're we don't really give class. a shit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll get along fine. Pay your taxes, serve yeah. in the military, and, uh, you know, follow the laws yeah. and keep the economy running and yeah. we don't really give keep a shit. Keep your nose clean. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, that saying, there were, there, as I said, there were uh, pogroms from time to time, particularly against the Jews. Mm -hmm. Now, this is despite Pope Calixtus II issuing a papal bull around about 1120 called Sicut Judaeus. Sicut Judaeus. What does that mean? uh, As the Jews. Mm. Um, Now, it was basically set up to officially protect the Jews. There had been attacks on Jews during the early Crusades, the First Crusade, 
I think this one came after the first crusade. About 5,000 Jews were slaughtered by Christians. Damn. Uh, in Europe during the Crusades, and Sikut Judaeus forbade Christians on pain of excommunication from either harming Jews, forcing Jews to convert, taking their property, disturbing their religious festivals, or interfering with their cemeteries. That's incredible. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah, uh, but didn't take. Uh, <laughs> mostly because... Christians couldn't read. You uh, me in, no one Cam. could read. Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, rule schmooze. <laughs> Let's go kill really? some Jews. Yeah. 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 Jeez. yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, it was all well and good to have that in place, but the things just got crazy sometimes. Like the massacre of 1391. Right. Yeah. Which happened in Castile. Um uh, now, there was this king, King Henry II of Castile. Now, even before he became king in 1369, he loved to kill some Jews. Uh, this is kind of his favourite sport, killing Jews. You read about Henry's uh, Jew killing, Ray? Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible story. So again, like you said, there's a certain amount of toleration going on in the area. In fact, the Jews have important roles in banking and finance and medicine on the Iberian Peninsula. Like you said before, as long as they pay their special tax, which which went directly to the nobles, don't ever forget that, um, they, they got along Fine, but to back up just a little bit, there was Pedro I, the King of Castile, better known as Peter the Cruel. Um, he, unlike Henry, was was uh, sympathetic to the Jews, and so he uh, he was king from like 1350 to 1364. And there were times, like the people in the south of France, where he did upset the church. Now his brother, Henry II, who was going to become Henry II, like you said, had already killed a bunch of Jews. In 12, he killed about 1,200 in 1355, and he ordered the massacre of 1,360 Jews and other killings. So this guy's got a track record of doing this stuff. And the two brothers don't get along because even though Pedro I is the king, Henry II really wants to be the king, and he actually goes up against his brother several times. He's kicked out of the country several times. He asks for forgiveness several times. He's accepted back in, and then he goes right back at his brother until the point where he is able to get his hands around Pedro I's throat. I've actually got a clip of Henry. (laughs) Uh... So you're the Jew hunter. I'm a detective. Damn good detective. Finding people is my specialty, so naturally I worked for the Nazis finding people, and yes, some of them were Jews, but Jew Hunter? <laughs> Just a name that stuck. Well, <laughs> God. And that's what he was. The, the Jew Hunter, yeah. Um, now, his brother Peter, Pedro, Peter I, known by his enemies as Peter the Cruel. Yeah. Not cruel um, to Jews, but cruel to everybody else. No. Well, was he, though? <laughs> to his enemies, um, I guess. Well, was I don't know he, much though? About him. I don't know. No, well, he was pretty tolerant of the Jews. In fact, his brother, Henry, called him the King of the Jews, because oh. that title works out well for people, historically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, it looks to me like most of the uh, things about him being cruel were written during his brother's reign. Oh, propaganda. To justify yeah. Yeah, why he murdered That's him. That's why I killed him, um, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, all those thousands of Jews that I killed, well, it was really him. He made me. Uh, oh. Yeah, he made me do it. Yeah. Now, when Henry killed Peter to become king in 1369, the Jews lost the royal protection. There were Ooh. more attacks. But then... Right. <laughs> Henry realized how important they were to the finances of the empire. Duh. And he's like, oh, oh, I get it now. The- you actually make money. And you're good at stuff. Oh, Medicine, yeah. finance, administration. I think I fucked up. So he cut them some slack and gave them royal protection. However, <laughs> there was a Catholic archdeacon of Seville, Ferdinand Martinez. Martinez right. Let me say that again. Ferrando Martinez, mm-hmm. who uh, continued to preach violence towards the Jews. Yeah. Now, Henry kept telling him to cut it out. Yeah. Martinez didn't listen. 
Henry died and his son Juan the first in the 1380s kept telling him to cut it out. Martinez ignored him. Damn. Now, it wasn't like Henry was all nice to the Jews or anything. I mean, he right. ordered the Jews to wear the humiliating badge, right. as it was known, the yellow oval. Yes. Um, but And even, by the way, Pope Innocent III ruled in 1215 that Jews and Muslims in Christian lands must wear distinguishable dress mm-hmm. so you could tell them apart. From the Christians, do you know why, Ray? Um, to not get involved with them? No, I don't know why. Tell me. To stop Christians, Jews and Muslims from fucking. Oh, I'd love to fuck you, but you got the yellow thing on. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. going to have to give it a miss. Uh, they were all fucking and then going, oh, you're a Muslim. It's a good, oh, I it's a, didn't know. It's a good thing I didn't come. I got to go now. Thank you for you your time. I would have thought the circumcised <laughs> penis would have been a tip-off for the Jew. Well, we, was, we kind of rushed yeah. into it. So, yeah, it was dark. You know, in under, the dark, yeah. Under a cow. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but the, but I think the point you were going to make was not only does um, Martinez, but he keeps getting promoted in the church because he is respected by the church, and he's going to get, I don't know if he's going to get more arrogant, but he's going to keep on messing with the Jews. I was going to keep saying that Pope Innocent not only said they had to wear distinguishable dress, he forbade Jews and Muslims to use Christian names and ordered that loans to Christians only had to be repaid by two-thirds of the principal. Oh, it's all about money, baby. All comes back to money. Yeah. And shortly before he died, Henry, King Henry, declared the Jews would no longer be permitted to hold public office. So he wasn't Jew-friendly, just wasn't slaughtering them en masse uh, like he had earlier. Now, when Juan I and the Archbishop of Toledo, Barroso, both died in 1390, leaving 11-year-old Henry III to rule under the regency of his mother. Right. That Archdeacon Martinez uh, used his new position of power in the church to order Jewish synagogues to be destroyed and all Jewish books to be sent to him so he could burn them. Right. In 1391, 4,000 Jews in Seville were murdered by Catholics. Their houses were burned. And those that weren't killed were terrified into converting right. to Catholicism yeah. uh, in an attempt to avoid being murdered. Now, this acted as a catalyst across Europe. Um, Jewish synagogues and homes were destroyed in over 70 other cities and towns within three months. Damn. Um, Catholics just went... You know, hog wild. It was open season on murdering Jews and uh, taking their shit, burning their churches and their houses. And it was just a bloodbath um, against Jews across uh, Spain, mostly. Right. The thing is, this is coming from the church. So, yeah, the people are going to listen. Two, they're probably, you know, Jews are different than them. And three, the Jews, some of them are have some level of affluence. So you want to go rob these people. But the political authorities can't really do much about it. They don't do anything about it because then you're going against the church. You're going to be inviting a whole bunch of trouble on yourself. Why do that? Like you said, this just spreads all over. The people go crazy. And, yeah, supposedly um, there's like maybe 50,000 victims of this, you know, over a time, because it does spread to a lot through a lot of Spain. That's probably a smaller number than that, but that's some of the estimates given about the number of people that suffered during this reign of terror. But that's just in Castile. Oh. 50,000 Jews killed in Castile. Fuck. Um, 100,000 in Aragon. Right. And 11,000 in Valencia. So, you know, upwards of 160,000. Now, these numbers might be exaggerated, um, but bottom line is, yeah, tens and tens of thousands of Jews killed by Christians. Now, this is what, when I get into debates with Christians uh, about Hitler right, um, and the Nazis being a Christian party, 
Yeah. And and Christians like to say, well, yeah. they're not real Christians. Oh, why? Well, they killed all the Jews. I'm like, motherfucker, do you not know anything about Christian history? <laughs> they go, well, those weren't real Christians either. Okay, well, let's 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 pick an act of Christian violence against Jews or Christians and tell me which ones were the real Christians yeah. and which ones. Just weren't. let me know. Yeah, yeah, just let me know when you decide who's a real Christian. I mean, um, obviously Jesus has come down to you and told you, right. giving no you the authority yeah. to declare because, who is a real Christian. Because <laughs> the guy who got this started was an archdeacon, and I think he ends up becoming a bishop, I'm not, if I'm not wrong. But the point is, he's up there in the church, and he's the one pushing this, even though the king told him like three official warnings. Uh, so he's the one who got this going. Come on. Well, St. Augustine. Oh, that's true. Got it going that's by true. saying it's okay. Before right. him, you know, uh, Constantine uh, said Jesus appeared to him and told him to kill all the Romans, sounds, not other Christians, I guess, right. technically speaking. Yeah. Um, so anyway, in Castile, then in 1412, there was a decree that deprived Jews of the right to hold office or possess titles and prevented them from changing their domicile. They were excluded from being a grocer, a carpenter, a tailor, a butcher. They could not bear arms or hire Christians to work right. for them. They were not allowed to eat, drink, bathe, or even talk to Christians. They were forbidden to wear any clothes except the most coarse kinds of materials. Mm-hmm. Now, in practice, a lot of this was unenforceable and right. was ignored or revoked. But that's what was going on in the early 1400s in Catholic Spain. Yeah, they, you know, the Jews were being murdered in the tens of or hundreds of thousands, and basically being forced to convert or die, convert yeah. to Christianity or die. All right. And and just the great irony is that for those 700 years when the uh, Muslims controlled um, the Iberian Peninsula, there was a lot of tolerance going on, you know, for for a long time and everybody was benefiting because everybody just focused on making money and taking care of the families. And now you've got the church or you've got church figures pushing, absolutely destroying, killing or converting these people. But if someone converts, do you really trust them, especially if you make them convert at the tip of a sword. Mm. A bit like what we were talking about on the Cold War show the other day about torture. Right. Um, yeah. You know, confessions under torture. Can you trust those? Now, there were also rich Jews, though. This is the interesting thing. At the time, there were also very rich Jews who mm-hmm. had a lot of royal favor. There's a guy called Abraham Senor, who was a Sephardic rabbi, banker, politician, and the last crown rabbi of Castile. Damn. In 1490, he was worth about 6 million maravedis, which is about 16,000 ducats, which is a lot of money. Right. He owned wheat fields, vineyards, had a dozen houses in Segovia and Andalusia. Damn. Uh, he, and his family, the Senor family from the 1460s, were the largest family engaged in tax farming for the crown oh, of Castile. Right. You know about tax farming, Ray? Well, I know that if you're unpopular in general, you might as well do a job that's equally unpopular as opposed to getting a Christian to do it. But I guess you, they're the ones who go around. I don't know if they assess the taxes. Are they the ones that have to collect and pay the state a certain amount of money, whatever is agreed well, upon? Well, the, yeah, there's a difference between a tax collector and mm-hmm. a tax farmer. So okay. the tax farmer was basically a business where you would buy the license from the crown to get the tax. This, this went back to ancient Rome. Right. We've talked about this. It was actually set up by Gracchus, Gaius Gracchus in 123 BCE. Thought it would be a more efficient way of collecting taxes. Mm. You basically, someone bought the rights to be the tax man. Right. And part of that is he would agree to pay the crown, in this case, a, a certain fixed sum each year. Right, I'm going to pay you a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and then I will keep whatever taxes I can collect. So uh, right. I have complete authority to assess and collect oh. taxes in my region. Right. And, you know, if, obviously, if I can collect more than I have to pay you, Booyah, uh, make out like a bandit. Right. 
So again, but as you said, very unpopular with the people, these guys, but very, this guy was very good at it. The Senor family, very, very rich. Now, another guy, Senor's son-in-law was Maya Melamed. He was known as the king's secretary. He took over being the tax farmer from Senor as well mm-hmm. in uh, 1487. And uh, he uh, he was worth about half as much as Abraham Senor, so about three million Maravedis. He had houses and lands. Still. Doing okay. Right throughout Segovia and Avila. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, these there were rich Jews that had royal favor, but there was also a lot of oppression. And obviously the general feeling that Christians had towards the Jews in this area wasn't good to begin with because they killed the Lawad. <laughs> right. And now they're collecting taxes from us and they're wealthy, all these sorts of yeah. sort of... And and they're a little bit Middle Eastern, right? Um, so you know they're kind of there's you got racism and xenophobia going in here. You've got religious intolerance going in here, and they're the tax collectors, yeah. and there's wealth inequality. Everest, little, exactly, exactly. Yeah, a lot of lot of reasons to dislike uh, the Jews on, on behalf of the Christians in this area. So whenever opportunities blew up for oh, yeah. oppression and murder. Christians were all up in that shit. <laughs> Ready to go and make some money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those rich guys I mentioned before did convert to Catholicism in 1492 when the, uh. um, well, there was a big expulsion basically in 1492. Ferdinand and Isabella uh, you know, they woke up the beginning of the year and on their to-do list was <laughs> get rid of Columbus because he's a pain in the ass. Send him on a, send him on a mission where he won't come back. <laughs> Fucking sick of that guy. It's always uh, talking. Yeah. Secondly, get rid of the Jews as well. We fucking hate the Jews and we hate Columbus. So they actually expelled the Jews from uh, Castile and uh, 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 Aragon. Is that where Ferdinand was, Aragon? Hey, we'll get to it later. Okay. Um, yeah. So they kicked, but these guys converted before that happened. Now, there were debates, like when we talked about the debates between the Cathars and the Catholics in the last episode. There was mm-hmm. also a series of debates between Christian and Jewish scholars in the early 1400s. There's a big one in Catalonia in 1413 and 1414. Right. Which ended up leading to mass conversions of thousands of Jews. Wow. Was the argument that good, or did they see which way the wind was blowing? No, I think the argument was, uh, look, on one hand, you can be a Jew. On the other hand, uh, we will kill you if you don't convert. And they were like, shit, I hadn't. That's a good. Well, no, when, you, when you put it that way. <laughs> Concise, succinct, sold. Yeah. Now, the Jews, uh, you know, that remained had to live in their own Jewish quarters. Right. Um, and, you know, there was that level of oppression as well. Um, but, you know, there were enough court Jews that in Castile that a foreign traveller said that Isabella was a protector of Jews. Mm. So it's this weird thing, right? And one yeah. contemporary wrote that Jews were merchants, salesmen, tax gatherers, retailers, stewards of nobility, officials, tailors, shoemakers, tanners, weavers, grocers, peddlers, silk merchants, smiths, jewelers, and other like trades. None broke the earth or became a farmer, carpenter, or builder, but all sought after comfortable posts and ways of making profits without much labor. They never wanted to take jobs in plowing or digging, nor would they go through the fields tending cattle, nor would they teach their children to do so. All their wish was a job in the town and earning their living without much labor while sitting on their bottoms. Mm. But Now, we've t- yeah. talked about this before. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, but isn't that something like the equivalent of, oh, yeah, no Jews, don't get me wrong, they're all bad. Well, not my Jew. My Jew, who's my family doctor or my accountant or whatever, I know him. I've worked with him for years. I trust him. So all those things that people say about Jews, it doesn't apply to him. I think it's the personal experience, the the ability to get along and trust individuals that you see on a regular basis kind of makes that prejudice go away. So you can have your county or your kingdom-wide policy, but at the end of the day, there there's going to be people that you know that you work with that you don't care that they're Jews. 
Um, I, just that double standard that's always been around, I think. Yeah, but it, it, it's a little bit more complicated too mm-hmm. because, like, they're basically he's basically saying this writer that you know Jews only want the easy jobs; they don't oh, want to work hard. They it's don't an want attack, to, slant. They don't want to farm the land. Yeah, but right. Jews also were forbidden. That's right from yes. owning farmland because that was a good source of wealth assets. Right. So they were forbidden from that in lots of parts of Europe yes. for a long time and. You know, land is one of those things that is handed down. If your father was a farmer, then you're going to be a farmer in the Middle Ages. But if your father was a a, a, a merchant mm-hmm. or a tailor or a shoemaker, then you, if you're a man, you, you're a boy, you learnt from your father, that was handed down as well, or a jeweler or whatever it was. Right. So <clears throat> then turning around saying, well, the Jews are fucking lazy because they don't want to be a farmer. That's bullshit. Is... is just not fair. And on top of that, it's yeah. not true because there were Jewish farmers in these villages. We yes. have evidence that there were Jewish farmers um, in various regions across Europe as well. So they were banned from it, but then they had it. And, you know, sometimes they was taken away from them. Other times they were allowed to have it. It's, it's way, way more complicated than any sort of simplistic, um, right. uh, you know, uh, appreciation of the situation. Tough being a Jew. Either way, uh, in, yes. in these lands uh, for those thousands of years, yeah. yeah. And, of course, they tended to stick together for protection. Sure. And, and they had rules in terms of marrying into, the into you know, you don't marry anyone outside of Judaism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then if you stick together for, for, for protection, you get accused of, well, they don't assimilate. Right. You hear this today about Muslim immigrants into countries like ours or African Double standards. Immigrants. Well, they don't assimilate. Well, that's because you're a bunch of racist, intolerant <laughs> cunts and they're sticking together for protection yeah. and familiarity. You know, they, they understand their customs. Right. But then they get criticised for that. Like, it's a no-win exactly. situation for minorities. Yeah. I think my leaf blower is on <laughs> It's time, isn't it? Yeah. But then it all fell apart around... Where are we at? 37 minutes. It all fell apart around... Uh, 1474 with Isabella when she took the throne. Mm. As she succeeded her half-brother, King Henry IV, a.k.a. Henry the Impotent. Oh. Do you know much about Henry the Impotent, why he was called Henry the Impotent? Well, couldn't get it up. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I well, don't. look. A little bit more complicated than that. He was called Henry the Impotent because he didn't fuck his first wife for the entire 13 years of their marriage. Oh, God. Then he got married a second time. It took, his, took him six years to get his second wife pregnant. Right. And she, was, she, she had a girl, not a boy. And then there were rumours that it wasn't even his kid. Oh, uh, that she'd had the kid with the nephew. She was fucking the nephew of a bishop. So he divorced her. Then she had two more kids with the nephew of the bishop. So he was supposedly homosexual. Right. I can and, get it up, just not for you. Yes. Right, okay. Uh, you know, you like, show me that video again of uh, Jude, <laughs> Jude Law and his white and I'm uh, there. speedos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I am there. Sodomite! <laughs> no! <laughs> and uh, the nobility rose up against him in a civil war for basically being a pussy and uh, gay. Oh, that's not very nice. And, you know, because he, he didn't have a line of succession. Look, you, you've got a daughter, no sons, you don't like to fuck, you've been married twice, uh, had sex zero times <laughs> we need a line of succession um so he died and isabella became queen immediately there were plots against her life a war with portugal um and she managed to bed it down eventually but the whole area castile where she's the queen is a major chunk of uh, the iberian peninsula at this mm-hmm. stage right um Basically, you know, you sort of take the, the, the center point where Madrid is and you draw, a, you know, a couple of lines up from there up to the Bay of Biscay. It was a big section of, a uh, major section of, uh, of the Iberian Peninsula. 
she manages to get control of it, kind of, but a big civil war, uh, a fairly massive uh, impact on the economy, the stability, political stability. She's fighting for her life uh, yeah. as soon as she becomes queen. Um, and during this period, uh, she's taking refuge in Seville and she gets a visit from a Dominican friar, Fray Alonso de Hoyeda, mm-hmm. who brings some troubling news to her. Ooh. I, what is it? What is the news? I don't know. <laughs> he makes her aware of the existence of crypto-Judaism. Ooh among the Andalusian conversos. Is that really important to her right now? You just said she was fighting for her life and fighting for her her throne. Is that really something I want to focus on right now? But I guess it's important to the church. Mm, Well... It's it's not a, a huge importance to her initially. He she's there from fourteen seventy seven to fourteen seventy eight. Okay, uh, three or four years into her reign, and she's like, yeah, it's interesting, right? But it becomes more important now. I'll have to explain some of those terms: what crypto Judaism is, what a converso is. I'll get to that in a minute. Before that, I want to talk about the Dominicans. Okay. Dominican order was established in the early 1200s by the Spanish priest Dominic of Caloruega. Wow. Uh, so they're a Spanish order, the Dominicans. Dominic wanted his followers to get out of the monastery and work in the towns of Spain. So before that, your Benedictines, uh, mm. you know, liked to stay indoors. They didn't want to go out. They liked to study, oh, right. uh, do your, do your uh, Bible copying. Right. Bookworms. Um, you know, whip themselves, that kind of stuff. They, they, they like were trapped in their own monasteries. But in the 1200s, the 13th century, this the idea, new idea was, you know what, we need to get out and deal with the people. We've got a lot of problems. Oh, right. And the problem that inspired Dominic to create his own religious order was the Cathars. He oh. had been in Toulouse during the Albigensian Crusade. And he was like, you know what? They kind of got a point, the Cathars. I mean, the Catholics are rich and corrupt. Corrupt. Um, The the Vatican, rich and corrupt, the the clergy, the bishops, the priests, all these guys. They're, They're fucking rich. They're corrupt as fuck. And I can understand why the people are attracted to something like Catharism, so we need to get out there and start working the streets, but we're going to do it like the Cathars in that we're going to live in poverty, we're going to be highly educated, we're going to be able to converse in local languages, we're not going to be all mm-hmm. high and mighty and talking down to them in the Latins. Right. <laughs> we're going to speak their language, be amongst them, live simply like St. Francis, because the Franciscans and the Dominicans came out around about the same time. Right. Same sort of idea, right? In of reaction living, to. Yeah. Living in poverty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the first Dominican nuns were converted Cathar women. Oh, okay. So he set up his first religious community in Toulouse, where the Cathars were based, in 1214. Male monks shave their heads mm-hmm. to indicate their status as slaves of Christ. They would leave, you know, see them with like a narrow strip of hair around their head with bald on top and a narrow strip that runs around, you know, just right. the, where the top of the ears are. That was supposed to evoke the image of a crown of thorns that mm. was placed on the head of Christ. Jeez. So they were like, we're like Jesus. We <laughs> have a crown of thorns as well. And people are like, but is it really though? Like it's just hair. It's just a, wow. It's just a bad haircut. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fashion yeah. faux pas. Really? Yeah. So that's what that means. Gotcha. Uh, now, Izzy was married to Ferdy, <laughs> Ferdinand II of Aragon. Now, Aragon's another region in northern Spain, east of Castile, um, up towards the, the north there, near the border of what would be France, Toulouse. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Izzy and Nando. Uh, 
They got married. And now, the reason they got married is they were both ugly as fuck. Aww. If you look but- at paintings of these two. <laughs> yes. The latest episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Magic Vagina episode, uh, as of the time I recorded this, uh, one of the other main plot lines in it is there's this restaurant, Teatro, that he goes to, Larry, and they have a a good-looking section and an ugly section. They seat all the good-looking people in front of the windows so people walking past in the street just see good-looking people. All the ugly people get seated up the back. That's nice. It's (laughs) a conspiracy. Izzy and Nando would have been seated up the back of Teatro. The far. Because ugly as fuck. And uh, her father tried to marry her off to a bunch of different people. And the only person he could get to marry her was Nando Ferdinand, Mm. because he was as ugly as fuck too. Uh, But it sort of brought brought their two kingdoms together as well. This whole massive region of Spain was now married in. Now, crypto Judaism that I mentioned Mm -hmm. before is basically fake Jewism, uh, fake Christianity. These are people that had pretended to convert to to Christianity right to avoid being tortured or murdered. Nothing wrong with that. But really they were secret Jews. <laughs> They'd go home, close all the windows, shut the drapes, lock the door, do whatever yeah. observance and then Pretend to be Christians again. Okay, all right, got it's it. It's a bit like many Mormons that I know who uh, uh, were former Mormons who were brought up in the church and were elders in the church and got married and had kids but really were gay. Uh, and they went through the motions of being straight. Right. Uh, Sexual but really, emotions, right? Yeah, right. but were really gay, which is, what I guess, what most if not all gay men, the vast majority of gay men did in the West for all, yeah. forever, really. They went through the up. motions of being, yeah, but they, yes. you know, but they were secretly gay. Um, <clears throat> these were secretly Jews. Now, they, they were known as Cristianos Nuevos, uh, my favorite uh, kind of nachos. Uh, I always order. <laughs> I'll have some Cristianos Nuevos. Yeah. With some guac, please. Thank you. New Christians. Right. Um, but they were called conversos because uh, they had converted. Right. But, they were, but there was a bunch of them, according to uh, Alonso de Joyeda, uh, who were secretly Jews. Because, right. you know, they, but, as you said before, they were yeah. scared into converting. You made they didn't want to convert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> right? I didn't yeah. make you. I just said I'd kill you if you didn't. I, didn't, I don't know if I made you. But that's insane. Anyway. So practicing the Jewish faith in secret is one thing. They got right. all of the benefits of being a Christian. Oh. Uh, you know, they got all of the yes. tax rights, the, the working rights, you the can political run for office. rights. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. They got to live in the nice part of town, wear <laughs> the nice clothes. Right. Do all, They got all the benefits but secret. But they were they were fakers, right? And Jesus hates a faker. Oh, basically. fucking, fucking hates an insincere heart. I can tell you yeah. that right now. Yeah, he loves a, he loves a strip and whip, but <laughs> hates a faker. Right. <laughs> but he's complex. Yeah. Here's how it got even worse. Uh oh. Um, after Isabella left Seville, Hoyeda wrote her a letter and said. It's even worse than I thought. I have uncovered evidence that they are secretly converting Christians <gasps> to become Jews. I, okay, stop, stop. You've got to think Isabella smart enough to go, that sounds like bullshit to me. Who would secretly convert to being a Jew and p- potentially cause a lot of pain for you and your family? I don't know. I'm just guessing, but that sounds yeah. like BS to me. Where's the upside, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in yeah. this, let me hear your uh, sales pitch. You could yeah. die. You could be kicked out of the country. You'll lose everything, and or your family slaughtered. I mean, yeah, you're right. Well, maybe it's for religious reasons. I mean, Christians like to make a big deal out of the fact that during the brief periods before Constantine, when Christians were oppressed uh, under Diocletian, etc. Mm-hmm. you know, they, they, this whole martyrdom thing. Well, it must be true. 
Christians will tell me oh. on Facebook and Twitter because they allowed themselves to be oppressed for their right. beliefs. So therefore, you know that their beliefs must have been true. <laughs> and then I point out yeah, plenty of suicide bombers so- <laughs> out there who, uh, you know, blowing themselves up because for their of their beliefs. faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? And here, possibly, uh, we have Jew- people converting to Judaism for religious reasons, we imagine, even though they know it's going to come with oppression in right. uh, the temporal realm. Just, now, that yeah. said, right. uh, there's no evidence that historians have been able to find Thank that this you. was actually going on. I think he was just saying, you're female, maybe you're gullible, but I think she was fairly well educated for, for a female because she was a, a noble but maybe he was just saying, if I can get her on board, if I can panic her, then maybe I can be free to really go after these people because I don't like them or the church doesn't like them. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, whatever evidence he presented to us seems to have been enough because uh, she commissioned a report which she got, which was supported by the Archbishop of Seville, Pedro González de Mendoza, Mm-hmm. And of the prior of a Dominican monastery in Segovia, Thomas right. de Torquemada. Oh, famous! I think his name's going to come up a couple times. I think it might do too. Yeah, and they were saying, "Listen, this Judaizing isn't just happening in Seville, but also throughout Andalusia and Castile." They're practicing the Jewish rites in secret and trying to convert Christians. And so it was that uh, Ferdinand and Isabella, Izzy and Nando, (laughs) sent a letter to the Pope asking him to set up an inquisition in Castile. Uh, for a, the, for a papal bull to institute a Spanish Inquisition, mm. and that I think is where we will leave this uh, episode, Ray. Uh, with the, it seems right. like a good stopping point for the creation of the Spanish Inquisition. Let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> No, but I can be. Now. That's a good point. Mm. If you're 13 and you're willing, I'll do it.